anybody that is second grade or younger. It's time for you guys to escape for a little bit. All righty. Let's not run each other over, but let's go ahead and make it out there. Gonna have a lot of fun today. I gotta say, I enjoy the this small, qui somewhat quiet stampede out the door, but it's always fun to see those little guys headed out. So this morning, I wanna talk to you about this idea, trust the word. That's kind of the idea here in 2 Timothy 3. And why do I need to remind us to trust the word? The word? Well, because we can't trust the world. Because the world around us is constantly changing, right? I mean, the earth is flat, right? I mean, the, the, well, I mean, the earth may not be flat, but we know that the sun revolves around the earth, right? You know, Pluto's a planet, right? Now, in my heart, it still is. But all those are examples of things that have been known as fact for many, many, many years and then have been proven to be false. Everything in life seems to change. So when everything is changing, what can we depend on? When everything is falling apart around us, where can we go for stability? When society proclaims that truth is relative and two plus two doesn't have to equal four, where do we go for answers? Well, the reality is that there is only one answer, only one thing that we can turn to that is not always changing. I mean, stuff's changing so fast, you wait in line to buy the brand new iPhone, and then two weeks later, it's outdated, right? You know it's never outdated? God's word. God's word does not change. Because God is all-knowing, and because he created everything, guess what? He never has to go back and update anything. There's nothing new that he's like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Let me make a quick note there. He always gets it right the first time. That's not something any of us can say, right? I know I don't get it right the first time. But God does get it right the first time. And because he loves us, we know that we can trust his word. Unlike any other document ever written, the Bible is just as relevant today as it was the day that it was written. Now, man's words, that can never happen because there's always stuff changing in the background. So what is it about the Bible that allows it to do that? Well, Hebrews 4.12 gives us the answer to that. It tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful. And when it says quick, it means alive. This book is living. That makes it unique from every other book that has ever been written. And the purpose is stated at the end of that verse. It says that it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. As God uses his word to interact with your heart, it is fresh and new, and there is brand new insight that it was there the whole time, but you weren't ready for it yet. And so, no matter what situation you're facing, you can turn to God's word and know that it has something for you today. Its meaning doesn't change, but you change to be ready for the meaning that it has for you. 
So as we get ready to trust the word, there's a couple of things that I want to encourage you with this morning. First of all, as we look at 2 Timothy 3, we're going to look just at verse 14 first, but we are going to see that scripture is assuring you. Verse 14, Paul writes, But continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. The things that you have learned and been assured of. Now, I don't know how good you are at what you do, but I know a question that will make you stop and think every once in a while. That question, you're just going along and you, you know what you're doing. You, it's the same routine thing over and over and over again. And then someone asks you, just three little words, are you sure? You stop and think, don't you? You're like, am I sure? See, when they ask that question, it can really shake you up because it makes you evaluate, can I truly depend on this thing that I am trusting? Do I know that my information is correct? Now, here's the thing. Scripture is truth. So when you say something out of God's word and they ask, are you sure? You're like, yeah, it says it right there. God wrote it. I am sure. Scripture is truth, and it's the only dependable truth because it comes straight from God, and God cannot lie. Numbers 23, verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. He is not the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and he will not do it? Or has he spoken, and he will not make it good? It's a reminder that anytime God speaks, it is authoritative, and it is true, and you can depend on it. That's some assurance in a world that tries to give us a whole lot of lack of assurance. The Bible is not just a collection of papers that were written by people about what they thought about God or what they believed about God. God told them what to say. 2 Peter 1.21 tells us, For the prophecy did not come in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They didn't choose and say, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write down what God says. God told them, all right, sit down. Here's what you write, because this is what I say. It comes from God. And we know that because as you look at the Bible, only God could take the writings of over 40 different people over the span of 1,500 years on three different continents, written in three languages, from drastically different backgrounds. Backgrounds that included kings, shepherds, fishermen, doctors. Those guys are not all going to see eye to eye. They're all not going to have the same education, are they? And he takes those people and he produces a single cohesive message that spans all of history past and includes history that has not yet happened. Only God could do that. That's exactly what we have in the Bible. But not only that, as we continue to discover more and more copies, you know, they find more documents and, hey, look, we found this that was buried and it's thousands of years old. Oh, and look, it's the Bible. Let's check and see how many mistakes have happened. Let's see how many copying errors there are. Because in all ancient documents, there's tons and tons of errors, so we have to get as many as we can and then make our best guess as to what the original actually said. But we see, time and time again, God has faithfully protected his message because there is a surprising lack of discrepancies. And most of the discrepancies, we don't even see in English because as they look at it, they say, oh, well, it's obvious where someone forgot to dot the I, so to speak. 
That's the only type of error that you see. Nothing has changed. God has protected his word. So while many things change with time, God's word does not. During his time writing his letters, John wrote this in 1 John 5.13. He said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He assures us, he tells us, this is why it's written down, so you can know who God is and you can know what he's offering you. So that you can know, so that you are assured of what scripture says. Jesus promised us that not one letter of God's word would fail, that it would last till the end of time. Matthew 5, verse 18, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot nor one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Okay, a jot or a tittle. Okay, what are those? Well, the jot or jod is the smallest of the Hebrew letters. In fact, to us English speakers, it looks more like an apostrophe than a letter. It says not even one of those is going to fail. And beyond that, not even a tittle. A tittle wasn't even a full letter. It was part of a letter. It's how we differentiate between the letter P and the letter R. It's just one little line. It's not even a whole letter on its own. The difference between an O and a Q, Jesus says not even one of those little strokes is going to fail because God's word is dependable. You can be assured that God has spoken the truth and what he has said he will do. So when we are unsure, we can always turn to the Bible. It may not spell out exactly what you're supposed to do in your situation right now, Let's see, can I flip to a verse that says, tell your boss that your co-worker has dot, dot, dot. You're not going to find that. But as you turn to the Bible, it will remind you of who God is. It will remind you of what his will is. And the Holy Spirit will use that to guide you to make decisions that align with God's character and his will. So scripture is assuring you, but beyond that, scripture is leading you. Verse 15 says, In that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, just knowing scripture won't grant salvation. I mean, you could know what the Bible says. You may be able to, do, to recite dozens of verses just off the top of your head. But that in and of itself doesn't save. Because... Even Satan can quote scripture. All the way back in Genesis chapter 2 when Satan comes to Eve and he says, Wait a minute, are you sure? Has God said that you can't eat of any of the trees of the garden? And Eve actually misquotes God. She says, well, we can eat of the trees, but there's this one tree that we can't eat it and we can't touch it, which goes beyond what God actually said, or we might die. And Satan actually ends up quoting God better than Eve does. And he says, you will not surely die. I mean, Satan will quote scripture. He even quoted scripture back to God. Matthew 4, verse 6, Satan's talking to Jesus. And he says, if you are the son of God, cast yourself down. For it is written, he will give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they will bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. He quotes from the Old Testament. And Jesus has to say, no, 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 no. You got it out of context. Don't tempt the Lord your God. So 
just being able to quote scripture doesn't mean that you're right with God. The Bible reveals Jesus. And when you believe in him, when you follow the scriptures leading, that is when you are saved. Romans 10, verses 9 through 11. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Scripture will lead you to salvation. And in there we see so many promises that you can trust that Scripture is leading you to salvation. Scripture leads you to the truth of who God is. It leads you to understand how sinful mankind is, and it makes you realize the reality of our need for a Savior. Because heaven and hell are real places where people will spend eternity depending on what they choose to do with Jesus. The Bible lays out the roadmap for how to get to heaven, but you have to let it lead you if that's where you want to go. I could plug an address into my GPS, and it'll tell me how to get there, but if I don't follow its direction, I'm not going to get there, am I? The Bible lays it all out if you are willing to let it lead you. And we see examples in the Old Testament. When Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, when he's talking about those holy scriptures, those sacred writings... He's talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament was still being written. So we cannot discount the usefulness of the Old Testament in teaching us so much of what God wants us to know. There is a massive treasure trove of information telling us about God's character as it's revealed, as he created the universe, as he interacts with people. The Old Testament shows us unequivocally that despite our best efforts, we are hopeless sinners. We are unable to save ourselves. We also read in the Old Testament of so many heroes that we can look up to, that we can emulate and we can learn from. We are challenged when we read of the faith that, we, at, that they had. We are warned by the failures that they experienced. And we are encouraged by how God restored them and continued to use them. Yes, there is now so much more available now that we have the New Testament, but don't lose the Old Testament. Don't lose all that God has given us there. But in addition to the examples of the Old Testament, we do also have instruction in the New Testament. There's so much that we can get out of it. It gives us a lot of very practical steps, practical instruction, especially for what's the church supposed to look like? How are we supposed to live now that we have a risen Savior? What's really cool is if you actually go through and pay attention in the New Testament, There's a lot of the Old Testament that's quoted and restated, and it says, hey, don't forget about this, what God already said, what God's already done. Old Testament scriptures are repeated, they're explained, they're expounded on in the New Testament, and it gives new depth and meaning to those rich truths of the Old Testament. It continues to assure us that God does have a plan. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. The New Testament is a celebration of what Christ has done in fulfilling the Old Testament, and it calls us to action as a response to what Christ has already done. Thirdly, we see that Scripture is profiting you. 
in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Notice that it says all scripture. All of scripture is beneficial. All of it comes from God. Did you know God did not leave anything out that we need to know? And he didn't write anything down that is not important. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about all those long lists of names, those genealogies? How is that going to help me? I can't even say half of them. I mean, how many of us have been there before? You're like, I don't even want to read this to myself when I'm doing my devotional time because I don't know what these names are. Did you know that God uses even that? Even that is beneficial. Besides adding historical significance, besides the validity that it adds through the ability to verify with surviving records outside of the Bible, there's even scientists right now that are using those genealogies to prove science lines up with the Bible. It's really, really cool. How could that be possible, though? For a book that was written so long ago to still be so unexplainably accurate? Well, because it's inspired. It said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, to be inspired means that it is God-breathed. God spoke it. And God cannot lie. Therefore, his word is pure truth. John 17, 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them by thy truth. Your word is truth. The Bible is not a history book. The Bible is not a science book. It's not a geography book. It's not a math book. It's not a social studies book or any other subject you want to label it. But any time the Bible speaks on any of those topics, you know what people find? It's accurate. It is dead on point. When we think for so long that it's not, and then someone makes a discovery and they say, oh yeah, by the way, huh, this does line up with what the Bible said. Imagine that. No, it doesn't answer every question from any of those subjects, but it was never intended to. God didn't say, here are the answers for every science question you have to ask. He said, here's how you know me. Here's how you know my will and what I want for you. That's what it was written for. Who is God? What does he do? What is his purpose for us as part of his creation? Scripture is beneficial. But what is it beneficial for? Well, first of all, God's word teaches you what is right. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Scripture tells us what is true about God, what is true of man, what is true of the world that we live in, and what is true of the world to come. It shows us what God requires of us and shows us how we should live. Jesus interacted with a lawyer once, and the lawyer came asking him, Master, what is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, do what's right. Be right with God. Be right with other people. That's short. We can just close it up and be done with it right there. That's what's right. It's not that difficult, is it? 
But God doesn't just teach us what is right. God's word also calls out sin in our life, that rebuke, that reproof or rebuke. This is where the Bible points out what is wrong in our lives. It exposes our sin, and it doesn't expose our sin to say, look at you, you're a terrible person, how dare you? It doesn't call out sin to shame us, but to refine us. God isn't some vengeful cosmic cop. He isn't some killjoy wanting to squash us like a bug for all of our mistakes. He loves us. He wants the best for us. He wants the best for us even when what's best for us isn't what we want. And that can be a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But any of you that are parents know how true it is. I know what my kid wants, and I'm not giving them what they want because I'm giving something that's better for them. And right now they're mad at me, but later hopefully they'll be able to look back and see, oh yeah, it is good that my mom made me eat all my vegetables and didn't just let me eat junk food all the time. God loves us enough. He doesn't tell us no because he doesn't want us to have good things. He tells us no because there's something better for us. And so when we insist on doing it our own way, God calls it out and says, no, that's not good for you. Sin is not good for you. He is a patient, loving father who cares for his children, and he wants to have a relationship with us. He is so patient. It blows my mind. But God doesn't just call out the sin in our lives. Thankfully, God's word corrects you and shows you how to get right with God. It doesn't just reveal our sin. It shows us how to get back on the right path. God teaches us, okay, you messed up. Now let's fix it. Here's how you get right with me. And here's how you get right with other people that you've wronged. Whether they accept it or not, here is what you are required to do. So God, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction. And that last one, God's word instructs you how to live righteously. It teaches us how to live right, how to avoid sinning in the future, how to become more like Jesus. Have you realized, you know, I need to be more patient. I want to be more loving, more joyful, more kind. The answer is be more like Jesus. That's all it takes. Because as we become more like him, we get to experience peace like never before. So as we go through those, I think it's safe to say God's word is very profitable for us. We can't live without it. We absolutely cannot live without it. And it has a purpose. And that purpose is stated very clearly in verse 17 where scripture is equipping you. That, so that for the purpose of, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now that perfect, that complete, doesn't mean that we become actually perfect. It doesn't mean that we become sinless. It means that we are fully equipped and prepared for the task that God has called us to. What is that task? Living like Jesus, glorifying God, 
as we spread the good news of salvation in Christ to the ends of the earth. And the Bible teaches us everything that we need to know in order, us for, in order for us to live in a way that glorifies God. It shows us how to pray, how to worship, how to evangelize, how to do good works, and it encourages us by showing us examples of people who have done it. And those who have been used even after they failed. God's word is equipping you to be who God calls you to be. We are called to be the people of God. Before we do anything, we are called to be. We are human beings, not human doings. Who does God call you to be? It's not about your job title or your role or your ministry or your money or anything that you can do for him. God wants us to be who he made us to be, a people that is different from the rest of the world, a people that, be, that are becoming a little bit more like Jesus every day. That's why Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 say, I beseech you, therefore, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God does not expect us to be perfect. He does expect us to be growing. Fact is, I know that I am not everything that I should be. I'm not everything that I could be. I'm not everything that I one day by his grace will be. But praise be to God, I am not who I once was. And I pray that every day I become a little bit more like Jesus, a little bit more of who God has called me to be. Last line on your notes for you this morning. Scripture is equipping you to do what God calls you to do. This doesn't happen before the be who God calls you to be. It happens after that. But once you know who you are in Christ, then and only then, we are called to live differently, to do good works. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10 say, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Just a reminder, it's nothing about you. You have to be right with God first. But then it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. He does have a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. There is something that he wants you to do. And once you are right with God, once you are who he's called you to be, then he's called you to do something. The point, as we wrap up this morning, is that we never reach a point where we can be independent of God's word. There's never a point where we can say, okay, I'm done with that. It's not an instruction manual that I go through it enough times and I can set it off to the side and forget about it. You know, sometimes all it takes is a single verse and where you've been stuck in this one mindset, that one verse comes and it changes everything. It gives you a whole new perspective. As we learn from the Bible, we find that it is sufficient to guide and direct us through all the complexities of life. How wonderful is it to know exactly what God expects of us and that he has given us everything that we need to accomplish his will in our lives. 
So, this morning, I encourage you, we're heading into a new year. We're almost there. As we hit this new year, start off right. Trust his word. Today, tomorrow, this next year. Because when the whole world falls apart around us, God's word is a strong tower. It is a solid rock, and we can depend on it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for the word. We thank you that we can depend on what you've written. We can trust that it says what you say, that it is the truth. Thank you for the assurance that your word provides. Thank you for the leading when we don't know where to go. Thank you for the examples and the instruction that it contains. Lord, we thank you for how profitable it is, how every part of it is useful that we can learn from it. And Lord, thank you that it equips us, that through it you train us so that we can be ready for whatever it is that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray this morning that if there's anybody here who hasn't put their faith in you because they weren't sure if they could truly trust your word, God, I pray that they would be able to depend on the promises and they'd be able to trust that your word is truth, a truth that they can depend on. God, I pray that those who do trust your word would be encouraged this morning, that they would be reminded to be faithful, to stay in your word, to allow it to change them from the inside out. God, I pray that you would use us this next year. Use us as only you can as we surrender to your will. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?
those were good words. Uh, so thankful we can count on the Lord in every everything we face in our lives, and it's so good to be here. The benediction for today is from Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You are dismissed. <laughs>